In your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So at the Christmas dinner, the uh, seniors Christmas dinner, y'all playing bingo this week? No bingo, okay. It ain't gambling if you win, right? <laughs> no, I'm teasing. It's just, it's just a joke. Let me go ahead and say this. We have, a, of course, a small crowd after Thanksgiving, and y'all can get the word out. Don't even try to come sit on the front row next week. Don't, don't even try it. Can't get you off the back row with a gun to your head. Last three rows, you say, would y'all come on down closer, a little closer? Nobody moves. But have the babies come up on stage. You got Grandpa Joe, Uncle Earl, Meemaw, Papa. No, 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 not the front row, baby. I'm on the front row. My babies are on stage. So <laughs> you can go to second row and just absorb the whole row. Not a problem. Y'all stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. Somebody just punched their spouse and said, he told our secret. We, they ain't supposed to notice that we move. Oh, we notice. Second, <laughs> Second Corinthians 2, verse 11. We continue in, and if the Lord allows, we'll conclude our series this morning on our adversary, the devil, his devices. It speaks of Satan getting an advantage over us, lest Satan should get an advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. It's not speaking to the world. He not only has an advantage over the world, he has ownership. He's the God of this world, the prince and power of the air, the head of all spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. At one time, if you'll stand with me just a moment longer, one time he was the anointed cherub that covereth. He was adorned. Uh, many commentators believe, if you look at a lot of the Old Testament uh, prophecy books, that he was in some way a worship leader, and his body, the very movement of his body, some commentators believe, created worship. He was beautiful, glorious, and powerful. And this creature, uh, creation, not an angel, but a cherub, it's a different type of cre creation, decided one day that he would be like God himself. He would ascend into the holy hill and be like God and, uh, and or either take his place. And when that sin was found in him, he was cast down, not to the earth, but the, the highest heavens where God lives, and then there's heaven, the heaven above us, the, the, the ethereal realm above the earth. And it's from there that he rules this fallen world. Christ rules in the hearts of believers. Satan, temporarily, because of the fall of man and the forfeiture of that covering, has come under a, a darkness, the, the spirit of lawlessness, the spirit of iniquity, the darkness that permeates our age, the insanity that you see in the media and through our geopolitical system and the things that come out of people show the destruction and the deception of, of his work. Now, he can't be in all places at all, at, at, at all times, but through other principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places... Kings and key people are influenced, and much of what you see in the media is demonically or evilly influenced to keep people in darkness. And this series, if, if you missed the first two, I'd encourage you to go back and look online or get the CD or DVD. Paul's telling the church, he said, just don't be ignorant of his devices. If you know how he operates, 
you'll see him coming, and you already have and house the Spirit of God. You've got the shield of faith by which you can defend all the fiery darts of the enemy. You have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And on your lips you have the name of Jesus that makes principalities and powers tremble. The only way he can get a believer is through rebellion and to trick you. Paul says, let's don't be ignorant of his devices. And in the previous weeks we spoke of uh, he, his devices being to distract you, to devalue you, and to distance you. To distract you from that which God has purposed for you. To devalue you through sexual immorality and debauchery and uh, paganism. And to distance you from God, the word of God, the people of God, the presence of God, the favor of God, and the pleasure of God. But by grace of God this morning, I want to speak to you on point number four and five. The devil's devices to dilute you and to blind you. Would you pray for me as I pray for myself this morning? Father, I just humble myself before you today and I just need your touch today on my mind and my emotions. I need, O oh Lord, there to be for me today in my weakness a tangible awareness of your anointing. That I would speak clearly your words, that I would not do a disservice to you or to your people but that I would, with an unction from heaven, declare mighty truths that would change the way we uh, see things, change the way we speak, change the way we act, and that we would go from maybe a fearful people to a courageous people, from a defeated people to a victorious people, and from maybe an ignorant person, Lord, not knowing what's going on, to one that's wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Let us find our victory through the knowledge of your word and the person of Jesus Christ, not being ignorant of the devil's tactics, but wise unto them. And I thank you for the opportunity to preach this word, to equip your people to do exploits in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated this morning. <clears throat> You know why we're tired, don't you? We ate so much this weekend. Not to the gluttony, though. We stopped right before you got there. I'm amazed at a world and church that doesn't believe that Satan exists or that evil doesn't exist. When you see how good is called evil and evil is called good, how light is now darkness and darkness is now light, the insanity that permeates our society, I can at least speak for the West, insanity is like a train with no depots. You just can't get off. It just runs in circles. It runs in circles with its you know, gender identity and, and gender uh, confusion. And there's no gender and there's no gender. And so the boys can go in the girls' bathrooms and the girls can go in the boys' bathrooms. But then you have a problem. If there's no gender, how can you have women's rights? But we can't talk about that because that's sane. You know, you can't, you can't, you, that life 
on Mars. You know, we've, we've found life, uh, a microscopic, invisible to the human eye. An amoeba is life, but an embryo in the womb of a woman is not life. Insanity. Satan exists to distort the image of God, the purposes of God, the priorities of God, the, the intentions, and to distort God's design to receive glory through Christ and his church. The devaluing of people. The distancing of people. The distracting of people. I want to speak to you this morning on number four. The devil's device is to dilute you. American Heritage Dictionary says dilute. To make a liquid or something thinner or weaker by the addition of water or the like. To make fainter as a color to reduce the strength. Like if something is bright, bright, bright. You know, you ever go to Lowe's and you tell them the color you want. You come home and it's not the color you ordered. Anybody else? You want to get a purple for your kid for their bedroom. And you, you get it home and you put it on the wall and you go, now that's purple. So you go back and you go, this wasn't exactly the purple I wanted. And they dilute the purple with a little bit of pigment. Make it lighter and lighter to where it's just bearable instead of ugly. It dilutes down. They, they have things concentrate. Concentrated cleaners. You put in a cap full. And if you dilute the concentrate, it makes it less strong so that it doesn't burn a hole in your hand when you clean. You know, you dilute it. Y'all have heard me tell the story many, many times about my mom growing up. Now, she's not going to hear this because she always gets on to me. We grew up drinking Tang. Y'all remember Tang? Yeah. And we drink half the Tang and come home at the end of the day to be full again. And what meaneth this? You know, we, we drank, it was full. But when you drank it that evening, it didn't have quite the kick it did the day before. It was diluted. Now, on your third day, I come home from school. You know, it's full again. I said, Mama, this ain't tank. This ain't even, it ain't even got, it ain't even got a hang or nothing in it. It's, it, you know, it's, <laughs> well, you got to do what you got to do. You know, times are tough. You know, dilution. And I want you aware that the devil is trying his best in this last hour to dilute you as a Christian by adding worldly things to a spiritual being to pour into you unclean into the clean uh, immoral into the moral temporary into the eternal and sometimes we're the last one to know you can dilute something so much that it's not even what it once was. It's in name only. The devil wants to dilute your knowledge of God and the holy. Not just God, but God's word and God's ways. I'm amazed today at the lack of discernment in the body of Christ and among people. Someone will just teach anything and people nod their heads because they don't have a knowledge of God and even, even if you're a new Christian there ought to be something in you that says that's not right 
You, you see on television, you know, you, you've got uh, people on a stage and they're opening a worship service to Jesus Christ, to Christ. And you have Cirque de say or whatever it's called, Del Sol, whatever, on the stage, uh, the naked cowboy from New York on the stage in his underwear performing, and the church just smiles and laughs. They have no knowledge of God or the holiness of God. One cartoon I saw years ago, it made me chuckle then, but I don't laugh today. It showed Moses at the burning bush holding a Starbucks. That is some of us in this room today. We come late and we leave early and we never think nothing about it. We come just as casual. But if we knew him and we knew the New Testament where Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead in the house of God because they acted as if they were at this level of consecration and giving when in reality God didn't even ask them for this but they, they presented themselves differently than they were and they dropped dead and he asked the woman he said did you agree to give such and such she said yes and he, the uh, apostle told her he said, he said the same feet that carried your husband out are going to carry you out they dropped dead you tell that to the believer today you know what their first reaction is that's in the bible there's no fear and reverence to the Lord. Can't just come anyway and just jump into Daddy God's lap. Now, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if I fear the Lord, I don't have to live in the fear of the Lord. If I fear Him, if I reverence Him. But the devil dilutes us through... Again, media, television, uh, the opinions of people to where God is nothing more than a blown up us. And he's not. When the Bible says, you know, all around the throne of God you hear uh, angels and cherub and seraphim crying, holy, holy, holy. That doesn't just mean without sin. What that means is you are altogether different. You are nothing like us in any capacity. That doesn't dwarf me as a person. It releases me as a person. It allows me, when you can find something greater than yourself to believe in, in a natural realm, it's not a perfect type, when a couple has a child, they have find, found something outside of themselves, different than themselves, that they love greater than themselves. Now imagine that if it were a holy, righteous God. Taking the Lord's name, uh, the Bible tells us not to take the Lord thy God's name in vain, does not mean putting a dam on the end of it. It means to use it inappropriately or without the value that it deserves, without the glory that it deserves. Taking his name in vain with a curse word is just an example of not giving it the honor and the prestige and the dignity that comes with his name. And that's why many of the Old Testament prophets, when writing his name, would not write it completely out of reverence. Where is that today? 
Where is that in our heart? Could we be so deluded that we're going to have to make a true adjustment when we get to heaven? I think it was helped and aided along in the charismatic Pentecostal movement. And by the way, I am Pentecostal. I believe that all of the gifts of the Spirit are available today. All of them. I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available today. All the gifts. But there was one thing that I saw coming up that struck me kind of contrary to Scripture. And by the way, if it's contrary to Scripture, it's contrary to Scripture. See how profound I am? It's just a gift. It just comes just so, so easy. In the charismatic Pentecostal movement, you got this catfish on the stage with, a, with a, uh, 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 his coat off or a Bible and it blowing on people and they fall backwards. In the book, they saw the Lord and they fell forward on their face. John said, and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I saw him. His hair was white like wool and his eyes were a flame of fire. And I fell at his feet like a dead man. Has that reverence been diluted from you? And I know you think I'm just on the punctuality thing, but it grieves me every Sunday. I'm sorry. Well, you work here. Let me tell you something. You think I come early to God's house because God takes care of my family through a check? He's the Lord. He's the Lord. Nothing's more important. Nothing's more important than to come, not only on time, but with a ready heart, with something to give and some, something to sing, some gratitude in my heart, some gift at the altar, some part of me to be expressed. You see all these articles, Christianity's dying. No, it's not. It's being diluted away. It doesn't have the <laughs> anymore. It's been filled with so much nonsense and foolishness. You have Chick-fil-A Sunday, you got a thousand people. You have prayer meeting, you have eight. That means 992 people like Chick-fil-A. Anyway, you do the math. Moving right along. <laughs> the devil wants to dilute your person. Your consecration. Your purity. Your humility. Your sincerity. Your love. Your joy. Your peace. Your patience. Your kindness. Your gentleness. Your meekness. Your self-control. He wants to dilute you so your story is diluted. So your testimony is diluted. So that your life's potential to bring glory to God has been washed away with other contaminants. They don't have to be poison. You can, you can dilute tea with water just like you can with uh, motor oil or poison. It doesn't matter what it is. If it dilutes it away from the, its original purpose, it succeeded. And see, some of us don't realize that the devil has diluted us with innocuous things like water. Or just... Good things. But you weren't designed for this world. You were designed to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And they've added so many things to our life that it doesn't have the punch it once did. Any iced tea drinkers in here besides co not coffee, just, iced, just tea? 
my, bro- my brethren. You ever, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, I guess it's impossible to please. I love fresh brewed tea, but I need an extra cup of ice because when they pour it in the glass, the ice goes, goes away. So I always ask for an extra cup of ice. And then I get the cup of ice, but then they bring back not the warm tea, but the watered down tea. And then I got this glass full of ice, and you, it's gone. You got your little straw. So girls will take a teaspoon and go, one, two, and take the ice out. Guys will do what? Stick your hand in there. <laughs> Dump it on it. You're done with that bowl, Mildred, and put the ice in the bowl, you know. And, and they make room for the tea. When is the last time you reached into your life and said, there's no room in here for God? My person, there's not enough of the real me being able to come out because I'm so filled with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and temporary pleasures instead of eternal rewards. I must undilute myself. Those that sip your life, do they know what you are? To dilute your purpose, your works, your ministry, your assignments, and your callings. Nobody makes a thingamajig. QVC. And coming up the next hour, we're going to sell a thingamajig. And we believe it's worth three installments or four installments of 1995. But if you act now, we're going to throw in an extra thingamajig. And give you free shipping. Well, what does it do? Mm, nothing. We just believe it's worth $80. No one makes a, purposeless, a purposeless thing. And yet we in the church feel like that we were designed for nothing. Except to absorb life, eat, drink, and be merry because one day we die. Let me tell you how insane the world is. And again, another one of these stupid, <laughs> we're not supposed to say stupid, stupid things that no one says anything about. This is the mantra of the world. You spend all of your health to obtain wealth. And then you get old and you spend all of your wealth to try to buy back your health and then you die. That's stupid. Nobody's laughing. That's the truth. That's stupid. I wasn't designed to, to, to grow into this world with things that are rotting away and to rot with them. Have you ever seen anybody, and if we got any here, don't get mad at me, but it's just the way, you know, we all, it's human nature. Old money and then old fashion to go with it and old hairstyle. And old car, just can't leave the 60s, baby. Can't leave the 70s. Got the Pentecostal beehive working. Y'all remember the beehive that went all the way up? As a little boy, I used to tear the bulletin apart and drop it in the lady's beehive. I got more weapons for that. And you know she got home and took that wig off and just paper everywhere. They're holding on to a dying generation because they're comfortable. They're comfortable in what once was because what is ahead of them 
is that every soul will give an account of themselves unto God. They, they've niched out a place in this world, found an identity, and can't let it go because the familiar is always easier than the future. You were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We're not saved by works, but works is the evidence of our salvation. Paul said, I follow after that I might apprehend that for which I've been apprehended of Christ Jesus. Uh, preacher friend of mine, Eric's here today, and uh, his wife is Brooke's sister and has done several ministry positions very successfully, very faithfully, and he's now heading up Convoy of Hope. Are you familiar with that? Wonderful outreach to uh, people and communities in times of crisis and need where they come in with 18 wheelers of food and water and these other things. Making, making, a diff making not a difference, but the difference. And it's not the size of the 18 wheeler. It's the availability and consistency of the volunteer. That my life, Lord, you gave your life a ransom for me. Use my life for your glory. Let it be filled with works for thy namesake. There are people in this room by odds. Their works are they come to church on Sunday. And they're going to be very disappointed and embarrassed at the judgment seat. Well, Brother John, you're, you're, you're just... That's kind of arrogant or pompous. No, that's a loving pastor telling you. you got to find out why the design. Why did you wire me this way? Why did you equip me this way? So that I can put my life to use for your namesake. You cannot save yourself. There's nothing you can do. You can't accomplish it. But God will never do your works for you. Never. Never. It's the choice of the believer. He wants to dilute your voice and your influence. Secret Christians. Don't want to say nothing. Don't want to stand up, stand out. Don't want to say nothing about abortion. Don't want to say anything about same-sex marriage. Don't want to say anything about homosexuality. Don't want to say anything about adultery or Christians shacking up and living together or living more. Don't want to say anything that would bother anyone we're not to, to be monitors of the world, but the church. This person we love in the body of Christ, living in Marlin, we're not going to say anything to him because we want harmony. That's not harmony. That's pride. You care more about how they view you than you do their soul. Let me give you a verse. See how you wrestle with this. It said, for this reason, speaking of immorality, this happens to be the context, sexual immorality in the life of the believer. It said, for this reason does the wrath of God fall upon the children of disobedience. We, 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 have, to, we have to speak up to one another. We've got to speak up into the world. We, we've got to speak up for Christ. We have to speak up and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to speak up and hold the standards, secure the foundations. Our position, our light has to so shine among men that they would see our works, hear our words, and bring glory to God through them. How quiet are you? 
well, I don't want to be that person. You're not. Now you're not supposed to come to work with a, a Bible on a dolly. You know, you're not supposed to be that person that drags it up and plops it on the desk and mean and vain running up on your head. You know, you're screaming at everybody. But we ought to be so different. So different. When the Bible says you're a peculiar people, it doesn't mean weird. It means different than what is normal. I'm glad they don't invite me no more because they know I ain't going. I'm, I'm glad they don't come to me. I just, I know you won't tell nobody. I'm glad they don't come to me because they know I'm not a trash can. I'm not a receptacle. You come to me and badmouth somebody else. I say, if you talk to them, let's go. Take them by the hand. You do that once, word will get around. I know this is meat, but you can handle it. We're ready for it. The devil wants to, do, to dilute your voice and influence. Lot in the Old Testament was so diluted through his compromising of proximity. He, was, uh, he first turned his eyes towards Sodom. Then he pitched the tents towards Sodom. And then he moved into Sodom. And when God came through the angels and said, I'm going to destroy this city by fire, Lot had lost so much influence that he could not even get his son-in-laws out. Abram had negotiated with God in prayer. He said, what if you find a hundred righteous people? Would you spare the city? Fifty. If you've twenty. God, please be merciful. Let me ask you one more time. If you could find ten righteous people, would you not destroy the city? And God said, okay, for ten. Well, Lot, his daughters and his son-in-laws, that was five. Here's a man. Who knew God, who had sacrificed to God, had seen worship through the life of Abraham, had witnessed the blessing of God on Abraham, and had lost so much influence by the time, or it would have been six, I'm sorry, his wife, two daughters, and, and uh, son in laws. By the time it was time to leave, the angels grabbed the arms of the family and only four of them left and his own wife turned back. They were commanded not to even look backwards and she turned to a pillar of salt. She just evaporated, really just melted. It was crystallized with such heat, just whoosh. No influence. That strikes me more, more than the destruction of the city was the destruction of that man's influence. What does it mean if I pastor for 25 years and I can't move my wife or Haley or Kylie or Izzy or Olivia or Elisha if my words don't carry something to where they said, when daddy talks, I'm going to listen. Not because I am anything and of myself, but they know that I speak with him and for him. Having a voice. It doesn't have to speak all the time, but when it does, E.F. Hutton, People listen. The millennials say, you have who, who, what, what? He has diluted our praise. Y'all, this church needs to be louder. I'm sorry. Just, just when we start to sing of him, 
there ought to be shouts of praise. It's not a matter of temperament. It's a matter of testimony. It's, it's like, the, you know, we, we hide behind these, well, I'm not wired that way. Well, you cry when your babies are born. You cry, we cry when things touch us. Men say, I just, you know, I just don't see what all that's necessary. And scream at a football game till they bust blood vessels in their eyes. Seriously. You don't think you're going to know that in heaven? You don't think it'll be known in heaven? Then when it comes time to give God thanks for all he's done for us. And standing in the snow for four hours, screaming at the top of our lungs over a football game. Get mad if you want to. It's the truth. Our treasure. Your passions reveal your treasures. Your passions reveal your treasures. I remember at some of the churches when I used to travel on the evangelistic field. And I remember how some of the people just young and healthy stand there and you know like this chewing gum and the person beside them on a cane or on a walker and they're just trying their best to worship and thank the Lord their body wouldn't let them but their spirit man was saying sing give thanks give praise give glory Amanda I just love your freedom and your worship I just love it I just love the, and, and it doesn't have to be like hers, but it needs to be as authentic. I love when my sister comes down here and dances. Well, do, do we need my permission? Do we need, you know, what? Well, the truth is, if it's in there, it's going to come out. We, we need to just turn up the volume. We need to. Praise the Lord. When he just, when they told Jesus, they said, Shh, tell them to be quiet. He said, if I told them to be quiet, the rocks under their feet would cry out. What, what does that mean? Is that just a Pentecostal saying? And what does it mean? He said, well, I created them. And even nature expresses glory. How much reborn Christians ought to magnify and thank the Lord. Not just for the salvation, but how good and how faithful he's done to me. He's diluted our praise to where the world laughs at it. They are more excited for their award shows on TV than we are to worship the resurrected Christ. And no one says nothing. I'm going to get louder. I'm going, I'm going to get louder. I mean, you know, I'm already the I feel like I just am screaming all the time and... It's like echo. You know, first of all, oh, and by the way, let me just tell you this on a, good, on a very positive note. Some of us think nobody's singing. Wait till we build our church. You're going to realize how loud it is. We're singing in an airport hangar. You can't hear nobody. You get us in a regular church like, oh, these people sing. But so we need to compensate for this building. Let his praise be glorious. Glorious. Not the preacher, not the preaching. Let his praise be glorious. He dilutes our prayers. That's self-explanatory. He dilutes your power. Just very quickly, Mark 7, Matthew 17. Don't turn there because I'll be gone by the time we get there. 
but these people came to Jesus and said, Lord, we brought our son to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And he said, faithless generation, how long do I have to be with you? And he rebuked the devil and cured him. And the disciples said, Lord, how come we did not cast him out? He said, because of your unbelief. You're so, you, you, you've already, the power I gave you. He sent them out in twos. He breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. He said, I give you power over unclean spirits and all the power of the enemy. He'd given him his power and he said, unbelief just creeps in. And, it, and when you add unbelief to a soul, a redeemed soul, it dilutes power. He said, you, if you got faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this tree, be thou plucked up and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Faith is a grain of mustard seed. Many preachers talk about how small it is and say all you need is small seed. That's not what it's saying. A mustard seed is a living seed. If your faith is divine, if it's alive, you can do, you can do exploits. But we're powerless, we're praiseless, we're prayerless. Now don't think I'm beating you up. Listen to me. I'm trying to get somewhere. Could it be that his devices have worked? What do I need to do? You need to shake yourself. You know, like anybody else had to drive like all night long? I remember I used to do this thing with Auto Trader. I would drive from Macon to, to Warner Robins. This is before cell phones. Macon to Savannah, drop all the magazines off and come back. And they'd call you somewhere between 12 and 1. You get home about 7 or 8. I, I do some of my best sleep in driving to start with. I'm, I'm good at driving. And I hit the median a couple of times and woke up in the median, grass, wipers going. I don't know if I'm going left, right. And, you know, you pull off. You, know, you, just, you knew you was that close to eternity. And I remember going through the drive throughs you know, whatever was on. And before, this was great day, 25 years ago. There wasn't, it was just Dublin, Soperton, and Savannah. There was no in-between. There's, it's just nothing. I mean, you could die and live, you know, be dead for like eight, eight weeks. Nobody finds you, you know. And I would go through and get a cup of cold water. You think I'm kidding. When you're about to die, do you know you'll do crazy stuff? When you run off the, the road and you've got wipers going in the interstate at 80 miles an hour and you're spinning around, I said, cup of cold water, please. Stick your head out the window. Pour the ice water over your head and drive with the window open. Why would you do something so silly to live? It's time for you to do something and wake yourself from the slumber. Wake yourself from the powerlessness. Wake yourself from the prayerlessness. Wake yourself from the purposelessness. God designed you to bring glory to his name. He designed you for that. Not for our own glory. But for his. Number five. The devil's design, devices are to blind you. The Bible speaks of unbelievers. That the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4. Hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. He wants to blind you to the truth. 
Not a truth, your truth. Not a truth, your truth, or some truth. This is my favorite. I've said it so many times here, but I'm going to keep saying it because you always have visitors and you have people that don't get it. Relativism is the ignorance I was telling you about earlier. Well, I have a truth. That's not my truth. I don't don't believe in gravity. I don't, I just, I don't believe it and none of us believe it. Well, jump off. (laughs) No, it's not. I don't believe and I'm sincere. Well, you're going to sincerely be jacked up after you jump off the bridge. You know, no, no, I, I have a right to my truth. Relativism. So you're telling me there's no absolutes. Exactly. Well, that's an absolute statement. What? You said there are no absolutes. Us Christians, us judgmental Christians, there's no absolutes. You create your own truth. You said there's no absolutes. But that's an absolute statement. And they'll go, hmm. So if a statement is flawed, it can never be truth. There are absolutes. And there's absolutes found in his word. His word doesn't change. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's the standard. It's the true north. It's the only compass. Jesus said in John 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. He wants to blind us to the truth about his word, his person, his promises, and his purposes. The truth about the sinfulness and lost condition of man. We're all God's children. No, we're all God's creation. We're not all God's children. I don't care what Oprah says. That, hmm. Pastor John, I'm going to go ahead and speak what some of you think. I I just don't like it when you say that and act like that, that embarrasses me. You sound judgmental. I am judging her. She's damning a nation of people with her pseudo-false gospel that said all roads lead to heaven. Yes, I am judging. I'm judging those words. Yes. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Christ is the way, not a way. The way. Well, all roads lead to heaven. All, all roads lead to Florida. I'm going to take I-20. Uh, <laughs> 75 North, I'm taking it. Don't laugh at my truth. I'm sick of you Christians laughing. I'm going to Florida. Where are you going? 75 North. Uh, <laughs> that's not going to lead you there. Yes, it is. How, how can such an ignorance happen? Through the devices of Satan. You're blind. You're blind to the truth. Blind to the truth about your soul. Blind to the truth about your responsibility as a Christian. Romans 11 says, Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God. On them which fall away severity. But on those But towards you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you shall be cut off. Listen to this phrase. Hebrews 3, or this verse. Take heed, brethren, not the world, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart and unbelief in departing from the living God. Well, you can't depart from the living God. That's what people say. Well, Paul said, who wrote most of the New Testament, by the way. 
Take heed, brethren, lest any of you with an evil heart of unbelief depart from the living God. Unbelievers don't depart from the living God. They are already distanced from. But exhort one another daily, which I'm doing while it's called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the confidence of our faith steadfast unto the end. The confidence of your faith. The only thing you bring to the table is a firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for your sins, resulting in new birth, new life, new perspective, and new lordship. I can't be born again and not have a lord. This gospel that does not include lordship is no gospel. When Saul was knocked off his donkey on the Damascus Road and he said, Who are you, Lord? To Jesus. Who are you, Lord? Yeah. He said, I'm Jesus whom you persecutest. Uh, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he said, What would you have me do? What? The soul that sees him submits to him. The soul that knows him submits to him. Only a couple more this morning, but this one's very important. I didn't know who would be here today, but the Lord does. The devil wants to blind you to your present condition. We all know the story of Samson and Delilah. And while he laid in her lap, he told her about the, the secret of his strength. And it was he was not supposed to cut his hair. There was no strength in long hair. That was a form of consecration for the Nazarite. It's what made him stand out different than everyone else. It was a symbol. The long hair was an outward symbol of an internal reality in the life of this Nazarene. And when he told her the secret of his strength, she called in men while he slept. And they cut off his hair. And she, she said, Samson! The Philistines be upon you. And he jumped up like he always did. The Bible said he jumped up like he always did and did not know that the Lord had left him. That phrase right there. Some of you don't even know the Lord's gone. Gone. You trying to scare me, Brother John? No, I'm trying to make you check yourself. Father, did you leave? You, you left? The devil can blind you so much that you think you can just get up and go to church just like you always do. Could it be that not only could the Lord have been gone, could it be that the Lord is leaving and you don't even know it? Because we're asleep, our faith is asleep, our soul is asleep, and we are living for pleasure, and he that liveth for pleasure is dead while they live. David didn't know his condition. King of Israel. Nathan came and told him a story about a man who had this whole huge flock of lambs, and then saw one lamb that one man had, and the man wouldn't sell it to him, so he... He uh, had the man killed and took his lamb. Nathan said, what ought we to do? He said, that man should be put to death. Nathan said, thou art the man. He didn't even know. 
I just love you. When I think of you, and when I pray for you, and when I prepare these messages, I know this may sound morbid to some of you, but I, I often think, what if this is my last time to talk to you? Examine yourself to see if you are in the faith, if you have the witness of God's Spirit in you, if the devil has any place in you, if your conscience is free of offense. He cannot take control of anything you don't give him. Giving no room to the enemy. But the devil wants to blind us to our present condition. You know what, da- you know what made David great? David was a warrior. Yeah, but that, that, to me that wasn't it. David was a, a worshiper. Yes, yes, yes. David was the author of the Psalms. The echo of every believer's soul. Yeah, David knew how to repent. David repented good. I don't know if anybody else can identify with this. And I knew I was saved. Listen, when I, when I was born again, I never have questioned my salvation. I wasn't trying to get resaved. I know the first three years of my salvation, I was at the altar every Sunday. Anybody else? Were you? <laughs> Preacher be preaching on miracles, and I just go to the altar. Oh, God, help me. Just help me. Well, what happened? My heart was so new and so alive that I didn't want there to be a shadow on it. I didn't want there to be a shadow of my old life on it. If the Lord's delivered you from it, stop walking like you're in it. Stop acting like you're in it. Stop talking like you're in it. Don't, abhorring even the smell, the, 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 the stench of what we used to be. He wants to blind us from seeing with spiritual eyes. Because if your eye is bad, your whole body would be full of darkness. Matthew 6. If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? He wants to blind you from seeing with spiritual eyes. This is a critical point here. If he can get you to see with temporal eyes instead of spiritual eyes, you won't see priorities correctly. You won't see opportunities correctly. You won't view persecution and suffering correctly. You won't view patience and trials, delay and denial correctly. But if you see with spiritual perspective, you can discern what's going on. What's the origin of it? And the devil wants to blind you. If all you have is temporal eyes, you'll make immature decisions. Anybody else see the videos of people that are given, they're colorblind and they're given the glasses for the first time. And they just start to cry when they see. Jesus says in Revelation, I counsel of you. Listen, it's not free. To buy of me gold and, and, and salve for your eyes. And to the heart that humbles himself and says, I don't want any trace of the enemy on me. I, Lord, I want to be altogether yours. The Lord will put a salve on that person's eyes. And when you see, you will be shocked at how many blind people you live with. It's quiet in here, but I'm telling you the truth. You're going to live alone because you're... Do you remember the story of the king with no clothes? Ain't nobody saying nothing? You go, Any, anybody else think? I don't think he has no clothes. I remember when I first got... Just a quick story. Oh, I'm running out of time. I got to finish. Uh, back when... And, and don't write me no letters, please. I'm just telling you a story from 
30 years ago, 1986, 87, 88. I got saved, and Christian rock was making its first big thing. I mean, it was just everywhere. And, you know, they had the spandex pants and the spiked up hair and the leopard just looking like an ugly woman. Like, it was horrible. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. And so, uh, we, you know, I was a youth pastor, and I told him, I said, I, I ain't listening to that mess. And they said, what do you mean? I said, y'all don't hear it? What? I said, that reminds me what I got saved from. You would have thought that I was from another planet. I said, look. I said, can you imagine the Lamb of God on stage with these men wreathing like snakes on a stage? And they just looked at me and could, what? I said, that looks like what I got saved out of. And after a while, you just didn't have nobody to talk to. They just kind of laughed at you and mocked you. And, you know, their youth group's growing and it's bigger and it's all this. And I said, well, you start to question yourself. Am I, am I seeing right? Don't sell out your sight for the approval of a blind crowd. Whether you agree on my story or not, when you, when you see something. <laughs> oh, I got to. It's too funny not to. Uh, where the church where I was a youth pastor, I was wrong in doing it. I was right, but it wasn't my place to do it. Back when the, you know, the PTL and the Jim Baker stuff, you know, when all that was popular. And praise the Lord, send me all your money. Hey, 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 you know. And I'm brand new saved. And I'm like, who is this clan? I, I did. My spirit was like, you know. And so they get locked up or something for all kind of felonies. That, there's a sign. You're getting locked up for fraud. Anyway, so, you know, this, oh, the office manager, this, this lady just brought this huge thing and put it on the bulletin board. Bring the Baker Back Club and sign up all this. And so I'm just walking down the hall, brand new Christian. Irene, I like ripped that off the wall, went and threw it away. I had to go to the pastor's office. And what I said, bring them back. We just got them off the stage. Which, you know, at the oh, Pastor John, that's horrible. It sold a sack of goods to a generation of people. What's, what's wrong that we, we're so afraid of standing up and standing out that we don't? Bring them back. Now, I ain't judging his heart. I'm judging the show. The fruit of it. The exaltation of man. The pursuit of riches over the pleasure of God. Teaching us that wealth is God's blessing. Equates God's blessing. God can bless you with wealth, but that's not God's blessing. God's blessing is his son. Brooke, if you'd come, please. He wants to blind you from what is at stake. I have to read these, but I need you to pay careful attention. Guys, you give me just, just a few more minutes, I'll be done. From what is at stake. Your fight today is inevitable. Your warfare is relentless. Your pain is unspeakable, but the results are irreversible. The results of your life are irreversible. Your results as a parent, your results as a, as a child of God, as a teacher, as a preacher, as a prayer, as a worshiper, as a minister. 
He'll blind you from what's at stake. This is our one opportunity to serve Christ the Lord. Just like the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus asked them to pray with him and they fell asleep. Pray with him and they fell asleep. Pray with him and they fell asleep. He said, sleep on, forget it. You won't ever get this opportunity again. It was too late. And so it is with this generation. Everything's at stake and, and we're trivializing the kingdom of God. Maybe more so than we should. Should never trivialize it. He wants to blind us to the temporal nature of all that's below and blind us to the eternal reality of things above. Nothing in this world makes it to heaven. People are the only appreciable asset. Love God, love people. Nothing in this world makes it. He wants to blind you so that you will spend your life putting together a tinsel crown and forfeiting a golden crown. You know when you give a kid a present at Christmas and you know they're two or three and they throw the $200 present away and get in the box? <laughs> they go, oh, that's, that's a Nintendo Switch thing, whatever. It's $225. And they just got the bow on their nose and they're playing with the box, you know. A lot of Christians I know are playing with boxes today. They are. And the hour's late. So, Pastor John, why would you preach such a heavy sermon right at Thanksgiving? To exhort one another while it's called today. I want you to go into this Christmas season so ready to worship. Can you imagine if not one of his devices is active in your life when we start our December? Not one. The lateness of the hour. He wants to blind you. How close we are to the return of Jesus Christ. I don't believe it. Doesn't matter. He's coming for his church. Then the wrath of God is going to fall on this world. And then he's coming, he's coming for his church. The wrath of God is falling. And then he's coming back with his church. To rule the nations. Would you stand with me as I read this passage? Isaiah chapter 14. I thought of how I would conclude this series. And I couldn't think of anything better than to show his end. In Isaiah, the prophets many times would, as they were inspired of the Lord... They would prophesy layered. They would prophesy about something right about to happen or talk of something right about to happen, but it would also be a perfect parallel of things to come or things behind. So this is Isaiah talking about the king of Babylon, but it also refers to Satan. Listen to this, Isaiah 14. You can look it up when you get home. Isaiah, take up this taunt against the king of Babylon, how the oppressor has ceased... The insolent fury ceased in wrath with unceasing blows that ruled the nations in anger with unrelenting persecution. The whole earth is at rest and quiet. They break forth into singing. The cypresses rejoice at you. The cedars of Lebanon saying, since, since you were laid low, which means cut down. So the king of Babylon cut down and Satan cut down. 
No woodcutter has come up against us. Sheol, hell, is stirred up to meet you when you come. It rouses all the shadows to greet you, all who are leaders of the earth. It raises from their thrones, thrones all who are kings of the nations. All of them will answer and say to you, You have become weak as we are. You have become like us, dead, cut off. Your pomp is brought down to the grave, the sound of your harps. Maggots are your bed. And worms are your covers. How are you fallen from heaven, O day star of dawn? How are you cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low? You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I'll set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you, will be brought, you are brought down to hell. To the far reaches of the pit. This I love. And those who see you in hell will stare at you and wonder in complete awe. Is this the one that made the earth to tremble? This? This cherub? This one that God has cut down and maggots are his bed. You're the one that made the earth to tremble. Who shook kingdoms. Who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities. Who did not let prisoners go home. All the kings of the nations lie in glory, each in his own tomb. But you are cast out away from your grave like a loathed branch. Clothed with the slain who go down to the pit. Like a, a deadly like a dead body transplanted underfoot. So you have to understand, as we finish up this, when I spoke to you, speak to you of the devil's tactics, his power, his plans, his intentions and purposes, to the believer, his end is destruction. And our elder brother Jesus is going to crush his head under your foot shortly. He will be brought down so low that regular men will say, You're the one? How did you trick us? Because we couldn't see him. Because we couldn't see him. But you, you have the Spirit of God. You've got the armor of God. You've got the name of God. You've got the power of God. And you are covered in the promises of God. Oh, fear him. <laughs> Giving no place to the devil. Giving no place to the devil. His time is short. His time is short. May your testimony going into the new year, if Jesus tarries, my prayer for you is you can look yourself in the bathroom mirror and say, he don't have nothing in me. Nothing. Pastor Wade, would you come? Reminded in his word where it says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and repent and turn from their wicked ways, then I will forgive their sins and heal their lands. And I don't know, I just, I, just, I just feel, even in this, 
yeah, that there's a repentance that maybe we should put forward. But there's a greater beauty in it too, is that Jesus stands ready. Amen? He stands ready as our elder brother, as our victor. So this morning, Lord, I do want to repent for letting the enemy distract me, for letting him devalue me, for letting him take away my purpose, dilute me and blind me. So I repent, God. I don't want to be deluded. I don't want to be blind. I don't want to be devalued. I don't want to be distracted. So I repent this morning, God, as you would wash it away. Oh, and I thank you that you stand ready. You stand ready to deliver your people. You stand ready to heal our lands. And Lord, I pray that you would do that in our hearts and our lives this month and this week, that you would do that in us. We stand ready, Lord, for what you want to do. So God, give us hearts expectant. Give us hearts that are excited. Give us hearts that are full of joy, that are full of excitement for what you are going to do in our midst and the new things you have in store for us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Will you go with the Lord this week?